Morning, church. I'm used to the other microphone. When um, Gavin gave this to me, my son reckons I was playing Fortnite. Um, so as you know, Kennedy's away today, so um, he's asked me to do a short sermon. Now he didn't ask me, but I'm going to do a short sermon, because I know everyone's busy, and um, the short sermons are really good sermons, because you don't want to take too long, and then there's too much information, so you keep it short, and then you can go home, and you remember what I said too. That's my excuse for the short sermon. So, um, welcome, greeting everyone, to the um, greetings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, the title of my sermon today, it's called uh, Seeking the Lord. And if you'd like to turn to Psalms 105, we'll be reading verses 1 to 4. Psalms 105 verses 1 to 4. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Speak of his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those seek be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continuously. Now, just like any other sermon, um, we always like to get some background on what we're talking about here. So, um, before we start, I'd like to quickly share with you some background on this text. So, this is Psalms 105, and scholars are not quite sure who actually wrote this, but um, these are actually the words that are quoted from First Chronicles 16, and these are the words of David. Now, this psalm is David's psalm in First Chronicles 16, where him and the Israelites they carried the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And upon their arrival into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant, they praised the Lord and singing, um, singing psalms. So although this is David's quote being used here, it's not quite sure if David is the actual author of this. So in this specific psalm, it highlights how God is faithful to his chosen people, Israel. How God freed them from Egypt. How God preserved them in the wilderness for 40 years. How God gave them their own land. And still they refused to come to him. So verse 1. It begins with, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. How many of us remember to give thanks to the Lord? Well, I know we all give thanks when we receive stuff and which is uh, quite normal, and that's good. But you know when your life is comfortable, when your tummy is full, and you have a roof over your head, and money in your account, it's so easy for us just to say thank you, Lord. What about giving thanks to the Lord when your life is not so good? 
What about being grateful when your life is turned upside down? In the book of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, church, the idea of rejoicing and giving thanks in all situations, it's repeated throughout the whole Bible. In all situations. Did you know that 13 of the New Testament books were written by Paul? And four of those books, Paul was writ- uh, he wrote them in jail. Now, Paul didn't say, I'll wait till I get out of jail before and then I'll thank the Lord. Because the truth is, when Paul was in jail, he couldn't care less if he died. If Paul died in jail, then he died for the Lord. The point is, church, is that giving thanks to the Lord is outside of how we feel. How you feel does not dictate what you do for the Lord. For example, I don't feel good standing up here, but I do it for the Lord. I do it for the Lord because I know there's someone out here that will benefit from this. And every time Kennedy asks, I always say no. (laughs) No, I always say yes. So, you know, if you live your, your life based on how you feel, you'll be living a life of like a roller coaster. You know, if you try and lose weight based on how you feel, you would only train every time how you feel. You know, it's inconsistent. We just do it regardless. It's a habit. The second part of this verse is called, Call upon his name and make known his deeds among the people. So when the author of the psalm says, call upon his name, there are two ways to look at this. This could mean one's declaration for salvation. A person's need to find God, so they come to the Lord by calling his name. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a guarantee. Now, there's an awesome way to call upon God's name. Uh, they used to practice it a lot in the Old Testament. I don't know if everyone still do it today, but um, it goes something like this. So you go to your room, find a nice quiet place, close the door, put your hands like this, and get on your knees and pray. That's it. Try that when you guys get home. The other way to look at this phrase, calling upon God's name, is it's written to the believers. So, for example, uh, us believers, we call upon God's name because we call upon God's name, like, for example, right now, we are gathered here and we are praising the Lord and we call upon his name during prayer. We call upon his name for direction and we call upon his name when someone dies and we need comfort. So you can see here it's a continuous thing for us to call upon God's name. Because we, our lives are dependent on God. The Lord is our refuge. So the last part of verse 1 is make known his deeds among the people. So for centuries God has been working. And you don't have to be a scientist to know that um, 
God's beautiful creation is all around us. For example, the planet that we live in, it sustains life for us. The water, the air, the sunlight, it's all been put here for our benefit. The way our bodies are structured, the way our brains function, and how our emotions work, it is all God's work. Just like the creation of life, it's no fluke. So God's plan of salvation is also no fluke. So if you read the rest of this chapter, the author highlights God's special work with his chosen people, the Israelites, beginning with the covenant of Abraham and focusing on the exodus from Egypt and then the movement into the promised land. Now, I know God has done many wonderful things in, a, in all our lives, and um, that, is the better, that is the real reason why we should all be glorifying him and let everyone know of his deeds. As believers, it is our calling to spread the gospel and to glorify the Lord. Let his will be done and not ours. Verse 2. Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders. Notice here in verse 2 that it says sing to him. It doesn't say sing to an audience. When we're worshipping the Lord, it's important that we're deliberate with our singing. Our singing and praising the Lord is to him. We're not up here singing for the audience. Even though you guys are here, but my heart is directed to the Lord. You know, some of these new modern-day worship bands, they're singing up here like they're singing on stage, like it's a concert. So when it comes to singing, it really doesn't matter if you can't sing anyway. It doesn't matter if you don't even have any equipment. Because what matters is the sincerity of your heart. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 19-20, Speaking to one another in Psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your beautiful voices. No, it says beautiful heart. So, making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, here in Ephesians 5, we see Paul, he's repeating that idea of giving thanks giving thanks in all situations, and also singing and praising from your heart. Verse 3. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Now the Hebrew word for glory here, it means to be boastful. It means to praise. It means to glorify him. While the world praises and glorifies material things, us as believers, we praise and glorify the Lord with our service to him. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. The second part of verse 3. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Now, what this means is that um, if you seek the Lord, you should rejoice and be glad. 
Because the Lord is like treasure. You seek treasure, you find it, you're glad. If you seek treasure and you're not glad, it's a guarantee sign that the Lord Jesus Christ is not first on your list. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my life before Christ was, was shocking. Uh, yeah, I've never felt so much peace before coming to Christ. I've never felt so much fulfillment. Um, it's so shocking that I'm not even going to share anything about it. We'll be here all day if I did. And I promised you a short sermon. So. Verse 4. Seek the Lord, his strength, and seek his face continuously. Now, if anyone tries to say that uh, they're seeking the Lord, but they still haven't surrendered their life to God, um, I think it's obvious that you're not wholeheartedly seeking the Lord. Because in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. It doesn't say seek and you might find. It says seek and you will find. So you either have to be seeking properly or you're not seeking at all. Seeking God is not just turning up to church, taking a few photos for social media, and then the rest of the week, God is absent in your life. That's not seeking God. Come on, guys, don't be like that. There's too many people like that. If you're not willing to take the next step in surrendering your life to Christ, then I'll give you a real reason why you should. Romans 6.23, this is the killer. For the wages of sin is death. And I'm not talking about physical death, because we all die. I'm talking about eternal death. There's eternal life, and then on the other end of the scale, there's eternal death. Revelations 20.15 talks about this. It says... And if anyone's name is not found, written in the book of life, he was thrown away into the lake of fire. Ooh, it's pretty hot. Someone might say, well, I don't need to see God anyway, because I've got my family, I've got a car, I've got a house, I've got money. You know, I'm rolling, I don't need God. But Isaiah 55, verses 6, says differently. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. When a person continues to live in sin time and time again and keeps turning a blind eye to God, you know what happens, church? Your heart becomes hard. It becomes so numb that it doesn't matter who's preaching to you. You just can't hear anything. This is called the hardening of hearts. So if you don't know Christ, but you feel convicted, then that's a good sign because it shows that your heart is still feeling that conviction of God. Because there will come a time when you won't feel that conviction anymore. So it's a, it's a sure good sign that if you haven't known, if you don't know God as yet, and you're, you're feeling the message, that's the Holy Spirit's knocking on your door. Now, some of you that are already believers might say, um, why do I need to seek God? I'm already saved. That's true. To a certain degree, though. Because it's true that once you put your faith and trust in the Lord, that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and you're saved. Very true. But trusting in the Lord 
is not just sitting on the couch waiting for Jesus to return. There's actually a thing called the Christian walk. Now, the Christian walk involves walking. Spiritually walking. So, your spiritual walk begins the moment that you give your life to Christ. Now, just to let you know, in verse 4, that word, face, it says, seek his face continuously. The word face in verse 4 in Hebrew, it actually means to seek his presence. So seeking God's face means desiring to know God's character and wanting his presence more and more. In other words, being hungry to know God. So just a quick recap on everything we've covered here. Everything that we've covered here is pretty much explaining the life of a, a true Christian. And that is A, giving thanks to the Lord. B, sing praises to the Lord. C, glorifying the Lord. And D, seeking his presence continuously. You might ask, how do I seek his presence? Well, it's easy. It's in the Bible. Just read his word. And speaking about his word, we have Bible studies for young couples. I thought I advertised that up here. We have Bible studies for young couples on a Friday every fortnight. So if you're interested, see the upcoming pastor, uh, Billy. So before I close off, this passage that we're reading here, it's a, it's a really, really good reminder. It's a really good reminder that whether you've been walking in the faith 20 years or 20 minutes, it doesn't matter. The moment you stop seeking the Lord is the moment your faith stops growing. You know, growth, spiritual growth, that is God's way of molding us. Molding us. Why? Why does God want to mold us? It's because he wants us to be more like him. Why does God want us to be more like him? Because he wants the world, when they look at us, they see Jesus. That's how it works. We are a reflection of Jesus. The church is the reflection of Jesus. When the world looks at the church, they don't want to see anything but Jesus. I'm not saying we're all perfect, but you know what I mean. So, I just want to close up with an encouragement. And, um, you know, I know everyone struggles in certain areas and we all have um, hard times, but... It's, we, we can't allow our emotions to dictate when we seek Jesus. May we continue to grow together as a family, um, everyone here, young and old, so that we continue to walk together in Christ and lead by examples, especially the older ones. And may our kids grow up, because the, the last thing you want is, um, I remember talking to a few friends and, um, a while ago, and when I, when I speak to their kids, their kids remember what their dad is like. And all they remember of their dad is like he's at work. That's all they remember. He's at work. He's, he's partying. He's whatever. When, when a kid grows up, you want the kid, when you ask the kid, what do you remember of your dad or your, your, your mom? He was a godly man. He was a godly, godly mum. This, this was my life. We went to church. We did Bible study. That's all you'll ever know. And that's all you should ever know. And so the world outside of that should be foreign to everyone.
We shouldn't be a part of that. The Lord has set us apart from the world. Thank you. Was that short? Let us pray in you. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we bow before you because of who you are. We desire to know more and seek your presence continuously. We pray for those who do not know you. We thank you for your journey that we are on. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.